Welcome back to the Mandate Podcast, a podcast where we encourage people towards deeper relationship through meaningful conversation. A podcast where you'll get to know people from the 605. Here's our latest episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Mandate Podcast. We are here on my favorite day. I'm not going to tell you what season it is, you know, because this might drop a little later, but we're here on a Monday and Mondays are my favorite day. And I am here as always with my main man, Ryan, pros and cons, cons. Ben, how are you today? It's been a while. It has been a while. I've missed you. I've also missed you. I mean, we stay in contact. I'd say we talk every other day uh, about, but uh, we haven't done any mandates. We haven't done any mandates lately. So this is exciting. Yep. Yep, we're here in the beautiful FCA building in Sioux Falls. Shout out to Jeremy Brown and Throne Publishing. Uh, Throne Publishing uh, is a publishing company here in Sioux Falls. They're not only uh, South Dakota bound, but they are a global company. Uh, and Jeremy and his team help people uh, really write their books. They, everyone has a book in their mind that they've wanted to write. Jeremy and his team help with that. So we want to shout out Jeremy Brown and Throne Publishing for giving us this beautiful spot here in the FCA building. The south sunny side of Sioux Falls. That's right. That's right. Ryan, we've got uh, quite an interesting guest today. Some people uh, might have heard of him before. They've certainly heard of his company, but this is big news for South Dakota. Uh, there's this new kind of wave of entrepreneurship, uh, new companies seeing Sioux Falls for what it's worth, not only uh, the economic value uh, of South Dakota uh, and the reasonable tax accommodations we have here in our beautiful state, but also understanding workforce uh, as well, uh, that people in South Dakota like to work hard and it's a really safe place to to bring your family and raise a family. So today we have co-founder and president of Tommy John Companies. Did I say that right, Tom? Tommy John. Tommy John, yeah. sorry. Tommy, uh, John. Tommy, uh, Tommy John. John. Tommy John. Tom Patterson, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. This is a this is a big day, Tom. We're we're really excited. Uh, you're you're somewhat of a uh, a celebrity when it comes to South Dakota. But what I love most about you, Tom, is you really have a soft sense, uh, and that uh, in the conversation that we had, you certainly didn't make me feel that way. There wasn't this piece of like I'm better than you, bigger than you. Like the way you view life is something that I find very endearing which is, yeah, uh, I, I grew up in South Dakota. I, I formed a lot of my self-worth here in South Dakota and how I work and my work ethic. All I want to do is share that. That's exactly right. I think, you know, growing up in South Dakota is a very unique place to, to grow up. And a lot of times people ask where you're from and they always say, oh yeah, this is my friend Tom from North Dakota. They can never get it right for whatever reason. Right. <laughs> But, you know, I think as you get older and become a parent and, and a family man and running, you know, a company, it just it, it really forced me to reflect and honestly appreciate where I came from to a much greater degree, especially, I would say, during times like COVID. Mm -hmm. So uh, very thankful, excited to be back in the state of South Dakota. And I think it's just, um, you know, it's one of the few states where there's just something really unique about the people here. Yeah. You know, I've lived all over the country. Arizona, California, New York, and I've always said there's no more nicer people than in the state of South Dakota. There's nice people in everywhere I've lived, but yeah. as a whole, there's just something really unique and special about the state that you don't totally get until you come here and yeah. spend time with folks. Yeah. So um, 
Tom, one thing uh, we got to introduce you a little bit to uh, our the mandate audience. So for those of you that don't don't know, uh, like we said, Tommy John is the <clears throat> excuse me is the company. Uh, however, just tell us, you know, you, you can go out and you know, Tom, hey, Tom Patterson, Ryan, he's got Wikipedia. He's got a Wikipedia. That's cool. Yeah, first yeah. person I know that has a Wikipedia. First person, uh, yeah. Oh, me too. Me too. Yeah. Pretty big deal. It's got a okay. Big deal. So you can go out and you can find out more about Tom. Uh, but Tom, why don't you give us the one, two, threes, ABCs of yourself, uh, and then what led up to kind of the the creation of Tommy John? Sure. Um, born and raised in Melbourne, South Dakota, the northeast part of the state. I grew up in a funeral home. So picture the movie My Girl, where a house is connected to the funeral home. Um, I was in line to be the, the fourth generation funeral director, was not interested in it, but I grew up in a small town in, in the state where, you know, sports were a big part of my life, uh, school, going to church, but also I worked, you know, I was, a, I was the type of kid where I was always interested in business and working and trying to find ways to make money. So in the winter I would snow blow and shovel sidewalks before school or and after school into the evening in the summer. And into the fall, I would mow lawns. I'd have like 15 different lawns I would mow, even after football practice. So I worked year-round. I wouldn't say I was really given everything. I was given the necessities um, for sure. But, you know, I'd always kind of, I think, had this entrepreneurial uh, curiosity in a lot of ways. And for those of you, anyone that know me, especially in this state, there's probably more people that call me Tommy here than anywhere else because I was Tommy growing up. <laughs> so if you've known me since I was in diapers, I'm Tommy. But Tommy John, my middle name is John. I get that, I ask that question a lot. How did you pick the, the name? Look, my name's Tom. They call me Tommy. My middle name's John. I've not had elbow surgery. I was a pitcher for a short period of time. <laughs> I have no relation to the baseball pitcher. There's articles on that oh. on the internet too. Um, yeah, I grew up here and I went to college at Arizona State. After college, I got into uh, transportation sales at Airborne Express. Uh, and I moved into medical device sales out in San Diego. And in San Diego, I was wearing button-down shirts like Ryan's wearing right now. And as shirting was becoming more fitted, I wore undershirts, under, so I wouldn't sweat through. And all the undershirts were baggy. They were boxy. They'd ride up. They'd come untucked. They'd stretch out in the collar, give you bacon neck, and they'd turn into something you, you know, dry your car off or, you know, dry the floors off in your, in your house. And I thought, well, why doesn't anyone make an undershirt that's longer, it's fitted, it stays tucked in, it doesn't shrink, and kind of what I thought was the ultimate undershirt. And uh, long story short, I ended up inventing a, an undershirt that stays tucked in. I took this concept. I, I drew a sketch and I bought some fabric in the downtown garment district in downtown LA and took it to a tailor at a dry cleaners two blocks from where my wife and I lived in San Diego. And I said, can you make some samples? And that first samples, they said, do you have your ribbing? And I'm like, what's ribbing? And it's the, the ribbing across the neckline. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have it. So I had to go to an arts and crafts store. The only ribbing they had was Donald Duck cartoon character prints repeating around. So the first Tommy John undershirts have Donald Duck characters <laughs> around them. If I figured, you know, it's it, two shirts. I want to see if the idea worked. No one's going to see that Donald Duck character under my shirt, shirt and tie. And it works. And I thought, well, maybe there's some more guys that have this, this same problem I have. So I sent out uh, 10 shirts to 10 friends. And I said, try these out. Give me your feedback. I want to know what you think. And they all called back within a week. And they were like, dude, if you ever make more of these, I'll buy them from you. 
And I said, that's interesting. So I went back up to downtown LA and I found a manufacturer and made 200 shirts and I would go into this factory and they said, do you have your markers and your grading? I'm like, I might have a marker in my car. I don't know what grading is. And grading is the size ratio, small to extra large Mm -hmm. as it scales up and down. So I spent half the day there on the weekend going through the grading and markers with this guy. And I came back a week later and I had 200 shirts and built a two-page PayPal checkout website in April of 2008. So we're coming up on our 14th year anniversary next here. Um, or we just had it. Yeah. Congratulations, and, by the way, Tom. Yeah, thanks. And um, I didn't know what I didn't know, right? So I had no bias or preconceived notions. I really didn't know what I was about to get into, but we, um, that's how Tommy John was born. And that's my background. Yeah. Hopefully that covers a good amount. Absolutely, it did. So a uh, couple follow-up questions to that, Tom. Uh, the one thing that I'm passionate about is marriage. Uh, that's, that's my go-to. Uh, when uh, mar- I'm, I married my best friend, and so I want other people to maybe uh, think about marriage in that kind of way uh, as a partner. And you talk very ador- ad- adoringly. Is that a word? Yeah, that's a word. Oh, that I'll, counts. I'll check. Wordle. Ah. Adoringly won't fit. Uh, <laughs> you talk very adoringly about your wife, and she's the co-founder of this company that you own. Talk to me about what was what was her and yours relationship like as that was being created. So in the early days, how were you both supporting each other? What kind of quarrels were happening? Uh, just where? What was the vision, not only for Tommy John, but also for your marriage when you were, you know, coming into business together? Yeah, you know, I don't think we thought too far ahead at the time. It was really kind of one day, one week, one month at the time. But you know, best decision I ever made. Mm-hmm. Right, the 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 best relationship, um, the one that means the most to me, and um, she's such a big part of the success. We, Tommy John isn't here with just me. Right. It, she's really the middle name of Tommy John in a lot of ways. And so Aaron had started a company called Organic Heads, uh, maybe four or five months before me, selling organic household cleaners, shower heads, and it was a one stop shop online. And I saw her building this site, negotiating pricing, going through all these processes to start a company. I was like, God, what's what's my idea gonna be? So she really inspired me to pursue this and one day I was like, God, my undershirts are terrible. Why doesn't anyone fix this? And so she was really there with me every step of the way and, you know, help with the sketch. I would bounce off ideas. What do you think about this? Um, we, the first six months, we actually had a big Bernice Mountain Dog and we would fold the Tommy John undershirts on an ironing board and I would have to lint roll all of Marley's hairs because he shed all over the place. Mm-hmm. So if you got some of the original shirts, I'm sorry, those are, those are his, <laughs> his dog hairs put a sticker on them, she'd be doing them with me. So every day we'd have like 10 orders, 12 orders, six orders, 20 orders, and we'd drop them off at the USPS store. And then um, about a year into it, she got laid off of her full-time software sales job. And I basically went to her and I said, look, I I need your, I could really use your help. You know, you're great with with numbers and planning and forecasting. I'm, I'm better at product and marketing and sales and branding. So she was really the yin to my yang, mm. where we had almost opposite skill sets. So it was really a divide and conquer type type mentality. So, you know, and for the first three years, it was just the two of us. You know, we, we moved the business in New York, into, to New York in October of 2010. 
world headquarters was in our 500 square foot one bedroom apartment, you know, two desks, a dog, mannequins, marketing materials, you know, and we were like a three or $4 million company with two people, mm. you know, and like barely able to survive because every dollar we made went back into buying inventory, mm-hmm. you know? So there was a lot of struggles, you know, for the first, gosh, seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, you know, touch and go in a lot of ways, but to have someone there to share those experiences with, um, from a business side, let alone the personal side, it's, it's really unique. Right. And I think a lot of people say like, well, I could never work with my wife. And I think what you find is that either it works really well or it doesn't. Yeah. And for us, I think if anything, it's, it's made our, our relationship and our marriage stronger. And I think it's allowed us to, you know, learn different things about each other and almost pull out different characteristics and, you know, you know, nothing grows without stress. Right. And, and we've certainly gone through that, but, um, it's been such an exciting experience and to have her along the way has just been amazing. So Tom, you started the company in 2008 with your wife and you moved from, I think, San Diego to New York, which at the time was the two employees. So what what was the, what was the catalyst for moving it to New York? And then also, you know, that was during a time of a recession. I mean, 2008, that was, you know, an interesting time in life anyway. So, um, what does that look like and, and what was the purpose for moving it to New York? Yeah. So, uh, we started April, 2008 and I was still doing my medical sales job full-time. I was doing this part-time on the weekends and in the evenings, October of 2008. If you remember, that's when the housing market crashed, the financial crisis began, the retail recession shortly followed. And I read this and I got laid off that September off my medical sales job. And the next day I was reading an article that said the best time to start a company is during a recession. And I said, I thought to myself, I was like, gosh, you know, I'm 20, 27, 27, 28. I'm like, I'm not married yet. I don't own a house yet. The worst thing that happens is I lose everything and I can always go back and get another medical sales job. But I thought, I don't want to be this coulda, woulda, shoulda guy. I had this idea for this product that didn't exist. I want to really see how far I can take it. So, um, I just, you know, I had my wife's income to help to a certain extent, but I cashed out my 401k, my savings. I used my friends uh, at American Express Visa and MasterCard <laughs> to, to get credit cards, which, you know, is, 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 is a risky thing. And um, I, I just kind of went all in and burned the boats. I didn't want to have a plan B because I knew if I had a plan B, it could become plan B. So I only had one plan. It was plan A. And shortly thereafter, we got picked up by Neiman Marcus. So once we got launched into Neiman Marcus, a really premium retail uh, department store, we moved to Los Angeles because our production was done in downtown LA. So Monday through Thursday, my wife and I would be in the factories, folding shirts, putting them in the boxes, putting UPC stickers on, applying the hang tags, driving them um, from Compton, LA to a warehouse, and then on Friday morning, I'd fly out to a Chicago or, or a Miami or, or a Dallas and spend time in the stores with the salespeople talking to customers. So that was my Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then I'd fly back to L.A. Sunday night and start it over. So for the first year and a half getting into Neiman Marcus and Nordstrom, I think I visited like 100 different stores. People thought I actually worked for the companies because they saw me so often. But I learned so much. I learned how to use uh, Hertz rental car points really well, sleeping on friends' couches. But um, a year and a half into it, we were fortunate enough to, 
to start meeting the overseas minimums to move our production overseas. And I think the idea of wanting to be made in America certainly is valid. What we found in the underwear category specifically is hard to find skilled labor that could work with high stretch fabrics like ours because our product's really unique. Mm-hmm. So the skill, the skill set and the manufacturing and the expertise was not in the U.S. Moved it overseas, and then we decided to move to New York, really the fashion capital of the world, right. the biggest talent pool. Um, we weren't a celebrity-driven brand or an outdoor-driven brand with identifiable logos, so being in California didn't really make a lot of sense. So that's why we moved, moved to New York City. So, Tom, um, I'm really, really interested in uh, the building of a company and the way traditionally uh, companies get built. When, when people think about it, like the average person think about it, you think about it through revenue, profit, EBITDA, whatever you want it to be. But I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs say you actually build companies through people. And so you've had to start investing in other people to help you guys scale this thing to the level it was. So talk to me about those early days of, of making hires and the, the ebbs and flows, right? The, the really mountaintop people you uh, got and maybe still have, and then maybe the people that you hired and they didn't quite work out. Certainly don't want to talk about names, but want to talk about like that ebb and flow of, of bringing people on board to your guys's, you and Aaron's baby. I mean, that was like your original child was yeah. this company <clears throat> yeah it's gone perfectly we've never had any issues whatsoever in, in 14 <laughs> I, years i've heard that. that yeah that's i think that sounds about right know, that's john maxwell they call us unicorn i don't know why uh no i wish i wish that was the case i'm joking for all the listeners you know i one thing i can't stress enough for any entrepreneur is seeking out mentors there was a fashion workshop two weeks before we launched into Nima Marcus I went to from Women's Wear Daily, and there was this, this um, fashion consultant that taught fashion entrepreneurs about cash flow, P&L, inventory planning, forecasting, sell-through, sell-in, how to create product knowledge documents. And everything he said, I was just like, oh, my God, I need, to, I need, to work, I need this guy to work with me. I mean, that, I didn't have any money. So after, during the break, I said, hey, can you grab lunch? He said, sorry, you know, I've got lunch already scheduled. I can't. And I said, take this shirt. Just promise me you'll wear it tomorrow. And, and if you don't like it, you don't have to work with me. But if you do like it, let's, I'd really like to find a way to work with you. I really think you can help me. And he said, okay. And he took the shirt back. And the next morning he came because it was a two-day seminar. And he's like, this is unbelievable. I didn't really understand how unique your undershirt was until I tried it on. You've real, you have something here. And he's like, I'm expensive. And I said, well, I'm really cheap because I don't have any money. I said, I can give you free product. And um, he actually took us on. And this is a guy that, his name's Dana Freed. He had worked in the footwear industry with really big fashion brands. And I was able to convince him to work with Aaron and I. But he really taught us the importance about margin, cash flow, onboarding new employees. Um, he was He was on our board up until last year. He's still our closest confidant mentor but a lot of times along the way he'd help he'd help us interview key people whether it was a controller a director of finance um a president that we joined joined the company but in the early days um i always say you know the first four or five years at tommy john you almost had like a 50 percent chance of getting hired if you just came in because really no one knew who we were and i think we had a statistic that came out uh two years ago i think you had like a 0.035 percent based on how many applicants we have now yeah. Um, but I think as the company has grown 
and become more well-known, we've been able to acquire different types of talent at companies we had always hoped for. But there's also, you know, so I would say in New York, there's kind of the, the seasoned fashion companies that have people that have been there and done that. And then there's a lot of startup, digitally native, direct-to-consumer brands that are more tech-driven. We're kind of in between, right? We started off in traditional department stores, but online is the biggest part of our business now. If you've heard our ads on Sirius Radio or TV, yes. a lot of consumers buy our product on .com. So we're kind of a hybrid. So we've really assembled our team that has a lot of times uh, experience from both types of companies, very data-driven, using you know business intelligence, but also traditional retailers, you know, people that come from the Nikes, the Michael Kors, the Reeboks of the world. So, you know, I think <clears throat> networking is something that's really important, but also having relationships, whether it's with the Nordstroms or the Shields of the world, which we do, you know, you can bounce like, hey, we're looking for a VP of sales. Do you have any recommendations? And I think you'll be surprised at how far willing people are, are how far they're willing to go to help you out along the way, because they just kind of believe in that up and coming brand. But I think the most important thing that I think we've always really tried to um, walk the talk with with the relationships we have and build trust. And we've been look, we've we've certainly made our mistakes. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, Growing a company and hiring and having to part ways with people. Those are, you know, there are tough things that every growing company goes through. But, you know, one thing I, I would say we're really proud of is we've been named New York City's best places to work three out of the last four years. Oh, and I think cool. a lot of it comes through our culture and our cultural values. We have five cultural values at, at Tommy John. Um, one is humble. It's not me, it's we. The other one is GSD 2.0, which is get shiz done <laughs> in, a, in a more evolved way that's thoughtful, that doesn't create more work for others. <clears throat> and the others are mindful, treat the person at the front desk, the receptionist, the same way as you treat the founders or the CFO or Amen. the CEO. Um, I'm missing a few. Curious. You have to have a curiosity about what you do and if you're really passionate about it. And I would say I'm a curious person by nature and ask a lot of questions. And I think once we went through this exercise, figuring out our five cultural values, it really solidified the type of people that we wanted to stay at the company and the type of people that we wanted to attract, which I think resulted in a much lower turnover rate and just a really kick-ass culture that people love to be a part of and be in. And if you came to our offices, you would certainly feel that. Um, but we did that in around 2015 or 2016, and it completely changed its tra- trajectory of the company and the direction and the type of talent. Because you could have the best resume and the best background in the world, but if you don't fit those five cultural values for the culture that we're trying to build at Tommy John, it just never works out. Yeah. And it's it's not anybody's fault. That's just, I think every brand starts to develop a culture over time, or at least the, the good ones do. Mm-hmm. So Tom, when you're going through this process, humility is obviously... You know, just knowing you for this very short time, it seems like you've been, I mean, just seems like an extremely humble guy and just really down to earth. But is it, you find that's hard sometimes to like keep that? I mean, given the success that you had, just the names that you've been around, how, how, is, how do you keep yourself in check? Like, what do you do for yourself to keep yourself in check? You know, I've always, I've always kind of wanted to blend in and I would say treat everybody the same. And I wouldn't say the limelight is something I'm really interested in. I think it's just, if I had worked for a company that I think was kind of like Tommy John, I don't know if I would have had the itch to start my own company. Thankfully, I didn't. But I wanted to, you know, I think we've always wanted to create a company that's just different, you know, and I think 
if you've ever seen the show Devil Wears Prada or or Zoolander, one of my favorite shows, mm-hmm. it really that that stuff does exist in the fashion industry in New York. And if anything, we just wanted to be almost uh, build our company in a different way with different people, with different values and different goals. And that's really what it's been along the way. And you know what? You know, Kevin Hart's an investor. Kev- Kevin's a friend friend of ours, but. You know, I think a lot of people at that level don't want to be treated like a celebrity. They just want to be treated like anybody else. They're very much like us at the end of the day, except their job is on TV versus behind a computer. And I think that ability to relate to different people is just something I've, I don't know, I've been able to do. I've always done it. You know, my grandpa was a big part of my life and a mentor in a lot of ways. And I, you know, I saw the way he treated people and the way people reacted to him. And I think, you know, you kind of pick up mannerisms along the way uh, things you know ways you want to act and yeah I think that's just the part the fun part about life and Tommy John's given us this platform to just really meet meet really unique special people and giving us perspectives and ideas that we can take back to our company and our friendships and our marriages and uh, with the people that are in our life so that's kind of you know one of the one of the great things about uh, Tommy John that it's created for us quick pause we appreciate you listening to this week's guest on the Mandate Podcast. To support the Mandate Podcast, please, if you like this episode, share it with a friend. Also, like and subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at MandatePod or shoot us an email at mandate.pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. That's so great. So there's a couple of things, too, that I can think you back on the, on the business side of it. And I can't help to think, like, there had to be in these moments where you have extreme ups and extreme downs and a couple of extreme ups in your company has been, you know, the, the Kevin Hart Instagram post that sort of, I mean, that had to have been a huge bump and even like a, a Howard Stern kind of plug in, in your past. When you're managing through those things and, and you all of a sudden have a big spike in orders or, or a big decline, if you've had, how, how do you manage through some of those types of things in your past? Yeah. What do they say? A good marketer could sell a product once, but a, only a great product can sell itself twice. Yeah. So you have to be both in this day and age. And I, I think, um, <clears throat> you know, I play in football and basketball and sports. I had a coach that said, Tom, don't let the highs be too high and don't let the lows be too low. You always have to be consistent. So I think that's really the way we've managed our business is, you know, you, I think I can always do a better job celebrating the wins because just by nature, I'm like, all right, what's next? What's next? What's next? And you forget not everybody's wired the same way you are. Mm-hmm. They want to have parties and events and celebrate these milestones. So uh, fortunately, we have people around us that do a really good job reminding us <laughs> of that. But yeah, I mean, look, there's there's lots of lo- highs and lows. I mean, <laughs> it could be a book someday about the things that we've been through. Um, but, you know, during those low times, I, I think, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, the... I get inspired by the haters. I want to prove them wrong. And if anything, it's, you know, we're inspired and motivated by the people that supported us since day one, the people that believed in us when no one else did. And those are the ones you really remember and kind of, I think, drive you through those tough times. Like, I can't throw in the towel now. You know, they've invested, like the Dana Freeds of the world, they've invested too much time into our company and us personally. that that has been a big part of it. I would also say, you know, my faith. It's something that I haven't really talked a lot about up until maybe the last couple of years, but 
feel like I, I was a kid growing up. I always had these people praying for me. Mm-hmm. Nuns yeah. prayed for me. They thought I was possessed when I was four or five. That's a different story. Had another woman that would pray prayer circles for me. So I don't think I really fully knew what it was at the time, but I think there's always been protection that the Lord has given me in our business to a certain extent and has really driven us and allowed us to just trust that, you know, God has a plan, whether, you know, I'm doing this for 20 years or 18 years, like God has a plan for all of us. And I think just knowing and trusting that, you know, he's going to lead you in the right direction has allowed us during those really uncertain times to struggle through. And I would say the big one is COVID, you know, COVID hit March 13th, 2020, our office shut down, you know, two years of two weeks to flatten the curve. It's finally starting to flatten to a certain extent, but we didn't know what if our warehouse gets COVID. No one can work, which means we can't ship online orders, which means we don't collect revenue, which means people's livelihoods are at risk. So a lot of tough decisions had to be made in a short period of time. And fortunately for our business, this homebody economy was really great for Tommy John. You know, it, it, you know, people wearing pajamas and sweatpants and underwear and T-shirts and comfortable bras. And it was really um, an opportunity that we took advantage of and, and we actually grew. We had double-digit growth, and we were able to hire through the pandemic. And but there was a lot of challenging at certain times, you know. And it's now this year has a whole different set of challenges, as as we know. But you know, <clears throat> I think a lot of it just comes down to having the right people around you and having strong leaders in the organization that can give you perspectives, friends that can, friends that you trust to bounce ideas off. And you know, I, I certainly have that that group of people like, Hey, how are you thinking about this? And I'm the type of guy that likes to collect information, have different conversations before kind of frame the certain big decisions with, you know, business. And now, you know, have an organization of 140 people, there's a big responsibility. Yeah. I have to remind myself of that. Sometimes, um, you want to make sure you're doing what's best for the company, but there's a lot of people depending on you too. Yeah. I don't know if that answer. Oh, absolutely. Oh, great that, answer. That, 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 <laughs> that was so more. good, Tom. For, I, first of all, I want to thank you uh, as, a, as a business leader, as a human being, as um, just a dude uh, that is willing to talk about their faith. Uh, I think in a position that you have, either there's some kind of um, social backlash you might get if you, if you talk about those kinds of things. Um, that you might be weary of talking about very much, but it seems like you've kind of opened up about that a little bit more. So I just want to thank you uh, on behalf yeah. as as a Christian brother. Uh, being willing to talk about that is is awesome. Like you just moved up in my book. So first, I want to say thank you for that. One thing that we really like to talk about here on Mandate is we bring on uh, some really successful people, uh, and success can be measured in a number of different ways. Um, and we'll let our audience decide what makes you successful. But with that comes, uh, in, in my life, there's two currencies. There's the currency of money, right? And I'm battling trying to either make more of that or, or wrestling with the thought of what does money mean to me? But the second currency is time. Um, and that time, they don't give us any more of that. I can't do anything to manipulate that. So you are in South Dakota. You are a co-founder and a CEO of a company that's based in New York City. You are a happily married man, and you're a father. Uh, And so you have these huge pillars that you have to tend to 
on a regular basis. Um, my first question is how? How do you manipulate your time so that you can spend equal parts with those kinds of people? You've made that clear. That's important to you. And then the second question, uh, and, and we'll, I'll revisit because I think you're going to go off a little bit. The second one is who in your personal sphere of influence is, is really pouring into, into Tom? Like how is Tom creating energy by, by being with other people and who are those people? Okay. Um, <clears throat> see if I can answer that one in the correct way. I, th- I think time goes faster as you get older, right? Especially as you get, become a parent. It's like it goes from 1.0 to 3X podcast speed, I feel like at yeah. times. And I think managing your calendar and time, that's why I, I struggle with it. I by no means have got that figured out. That's for sure between you know, money and time and time is money. And I think you know, as your kids get older, you, you don't want to look back and think, gosh, I wish I would have spent more time. That, that's something I don't ever want to feel like I have. And I think that's, you know, there's a lot of downsides of the pandemic. I think that's been one of the best parts. You know, I, I don't, we never would have spent this much time with our kids mm-hmm. and just seeing all these little things, whether it was, you know, for two months or three months or two years, but, and that, that part's just been awesome. The other part is, you know, thank you, Midco and other high-speed internet companies for Zoom and Google Meet and all these amazing technologies that have allowed companies to operate from their bedrooms and home offices and kitchen countertops and dining room tables like we've all done over the last two years. And I think if anything, it's, just, it's allowed us to continue to be productive working in a remote environment at, at Tommy John. So that, that part has been, and then I would also say, you know, having a structured routine is a big thing for me. I would say I'm probably lazy by nature and I identified that at an early age. So I felt routine was something that's going to become really important for me to continue to be productive. So whether it's getting up around 5.30 or 6, exercising, uh, praying, meditation, whatever it is, I kind of mix it up. And then, you know, it gets my day started. I think, Ben, you were talking about Mondays. I know if I don't get up at 5.30 on Monday, it's not good. So Monday really sets the tone for my week. And so I'm big on routine. And I would say saying no. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I'm a little kid now. I, I think as you get older, you say, no. You get you, all the things you wanted to attend and travel and get invited to before you were married and have kids. You were like, yes, 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 yes. And now that you're invited to all the really cool ones, you're like, man, I can't believe I said no to that one and that one and that one. I never thought I would do it. But it's just like, you know, your kids are only this young once and you know family is i think just uh yeah it's it's and and marriage is so important you know so my wife and i spending time makes us stronger makes us better parents it's not the other way first Mm -hmm. we have to be solid and strong and then everything else i think kind of fall into place and i think for me it's just balance of like not getting overstretched and which is tough in a in a growing company but I would say South Dakota has really allowed us to stay grounded and we have some family here and we, we, we attend Embrace Church. I've known Adam Weber since I was five years old. He grew up in my hometown and um, being able to have that to go to on Sundays has, has just been really great. Um, as far as people I reach out to or speak to, um, I mean, there's a good amount of people. Um, Alex Hilgenberg, one of my best friends from Bellbank, known him for a really long time. Dana Freed, which we talked about. And then and my wife, you know, we 
every night after the kids go to bed, we kind of talk for an hour and sit by the fire like old people and have tea yep. and get ready for bed. Yep. Uh, cutting out TV, March Madness is probably the only time I really watch consistent TV. Mm-hmm. We don't, we haven't had cable TV in 10 years. We'll do Netflix and documentary movies here and there, but yeah, there's just th- certain things you got to cut out and we've kind of decided. So yeah, we miss out on some fun TV series like Yellowstone and you haven't seen that. There's a lot of, I haven't seen that. I can't believe you haven't seen that show, yep. but yep. Um, we've just chose to be really selective. I think of the time and, and even the people that we hang out with, mm-hmm. you know, cause if you're selective about your time, you really have to be selective about who you spend time with and why and when and, um, just, I think that one of the responsibilities you have running a company and being, being a husband and a father is you really have to be really thoughtful. My wife is much more thoughtful of hers. I try to write her draft off of her mm-hmm. responsibility and kind of keep me in check with a lot of that stuff, which has been, which is great. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, Tom, uh, we are like what happens every time here on the Mandate Podcast, uh, time flies by. So uh, we we want to get into a couple things uh, about like where where Tommy John is going uh, as a company. Uh, not only uh, some some new development stuff that's coming out, uh, but really just where do you see Tommy John going uh, as a company? As someone, I mean, your job is to set set the course right and and to keep people motivated to stay on that course so where do you see you and aaron uh really taking tommy john and and then also marrying that with where do you see your family uh going as well as the head of household uh in your house yeah i mean it's tough because i think i would have had one answer before covid and probably a different one now right and i think if anything what covid has taught us is uh, never say never. I didn't think we'd be living in South Dakota and it's just been a great experience for us and our family and to to be here. Um, but I would say, you know, we want to become the experts at all things comfort. You know, we're in great department stores like Nordstrom's and Shields and Dillard's, um, women's we launched three years ago. It's already 40% of our business. You know, if you look at women's underwear and loungewear and, and bras, it's become a really big, meaningful part of our growth trajectory. And I think the future value of the company, um, but I don't know, you know, there's never, I've never, we've never said like, Oh, we want to ring the bell on New York stock exchange and go public. Like maybe, but you know, it's not a, a bucket list of running a publicly traded company, but you know, if that's God's plan, it's God's plan. Yeah. Um, I think we, you know, we want to be the company that we don't want to be the company that says, oh, they had the potential to be, they could have done that. They, we want to reach our potential. Right. And I think that's maybe as a competitor, just something that really drives us at the end of the day. So, you know, I think as long as you're having fun and you enjoy the people and the relationships around you, not every day is amazing. I know there's plenty of days that they suck. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But, you know, the highs are really, they can be really fun too. And, you know, so if, if you can't stomach certain things, being an entrepreneur probably isn't the thing for you. There's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of people, I think, struggle with uncertainty. Um, I kind of thrive off of it. And I think when things are kind of scariest or most uncertain, that's probably, I would say, when I become more focused, most focused and locked in. So 
I don't do really well when things are going perfectly. When things kind of get chaotic and crazy, that's really kind of where I dig in. Um, my wife's kind of the opposite again. So I think that's how it's really worked so well for us. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's been a blast running the company. It's become so much bigger than we would have thought. And I think it, there's still a lot of, a lot of room to grow. And most companies, great companies are built over decades, right? We're, we're still only 14 years old. Yeah. You know, you look at the Patagonias and the Nikes of the world, they're like what, 30, 40, 40 years old. Yep. So, you know, it's like, we just got our braces on. So we're still going through those awkward teenage years right now in a lot of ways, but, um, a lot, a lot of fun, a lot to be grateful for. feel very blessed to be in a position to have this company. And I think, you know, that's the most important thing I want to leave with your listeners is everyone has an idea. You know, there, there's a lot of on the couch experts, right? I could do that. Well, getting started is the hardest part, right? And, you know, I didn't have some formal business plan with projections. We just got, got going and you kind of figure it out along the way. Did I say I want to start an underwear company? I was five years old and or high school and home ec class. No, I can't sew anything. I would get fired if I was, if that was my job. But I think is if you find something you're passionate about, if you, you find the people that are truly successful, at least from my observation, is they didn't do it for the money. They did it because they really enjoyed the experience of building or the product or the profession. And I, I think there's something to be said for a lot of those people because you see a lot of people that are in jobs and they're not very happy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're making great money and I don't think money can buy happiness. I think it's the other way around. So, um, yeah, I mean, you certainly reflect differently as you get older and have different conversations. So I really like to talk to older people that have been running companies for a really long time and just understand, you know, what would you have done differently, not only with your business, but like personally yeah. with your family and your kids and things like that. So I think a lot of these new age entrepreneurs, at least I think are hoping going to balance more, like not grow at all costs because you can see what can happen to the people around you. And I think that's, you want to make sure everyone can come up at the same time. Yeah. At least that's, that's what we're trying to balance. So my uh, one thing I, I'm going to lead you down this because I hope you're going to say the same thing that you told me when we spent some time on the phone together. But I believe that there is an entrepreneurial spirit here in South Dakota. But we also love that we're like a state full of small towns. We're very proud of that. We're very proud of our small towns. We're very proud of our, our pheasant hunting. We're very, very proud of our walleye fishing uh, and just that small town grocery store. So... I think there's some people out there that likely have the idea, but they're, they're listening to Tom and, and they're saying, Tom took this thing to LA, he took this thing to New York City. I can't do that. I'm from South Dakota. Dispel some of that for our, for our listeners. <laughs> well, it, it depends on how attached you are to leaving the state or not for a certain period of time, depending on what you want to do. I would say now with social media and just Google and being able to find things through the internet, it's easier. I think there's no better time and there's no easier time to start a company than today. If you look at like social media influencers, resellers on eBay and Amazon, there's a lot of ways to make money on the world if that's what you really truly enjoy. Um, So I wouldn't, I wouldn't let my geography limit. You know, for me, I was traveling 150,000 miles a year for five years to factories all over the country, building the business right? And, and I'm glad I did it at the age I did. Um, cause I, I don't think I would want to do that. I would, but I wouldn't, 
really enjoy it as much if I had to do that now. So again, I think there's always going to be reasons, um, excuses not to, but at the end of the day, um, there's been far more people that have had, I think, much more challenging backgrounds than, than I or you guys have had that have just found a way, right? And I think if you really want something, you'll, you'll find a way. You'll ask the questions. You'll, you'll go to the next meeting. You'll take the extra seminar. You know, you'll go the extra mile. And most people aren't willing to do that. And I think those that are in the creative pattern of doing that are the ones that achieve, I think, some sort of level of success, whether it's in your hometown, your home state, nationally, globally. Um, every business kind of goes off in its own direction. But I, I think that's the thing I've really observed being here in Sioux Falls is there are a lot more entrepreneurs that I think the state gets underestimated in a lot of ways with the type of talent they have, that they're building, the type of companies that are created. If you look at just all the hunting outfits here over the last 15 or 20 years and what people are willing to pay for these type of experiences in this state, it's incredible mm -hmm. what it's done for the state of South Dakota in a lot of ways, maybe not for the local hunters <laughs> um, <laughs> to a certain extent. But uh, yeah, I, I just think that's something that I think it's really in a lot of ways in the early days still in Sioux Falls with just this, the, the type of people that have moved here during COVID and the type of businesses that are starting to come to the state. And, you know, I think what the leadership is doing within the state is really promoting business and um, entrepreneurship in a lot of ways. And it doesn't have to be just about you being an entrepreneur. It could be like going, working for an entrepreneurial company, yeah. some a company that's just kind of zigging when everybody's zagging. You know, that's, that's a lot of fun. Would you rather be at Under Armour now or Under Armour when they're the first three or four years? Right. It'd be two very different stories, right? Mm -hmm. Hopefully the same at Tommy John. Well, I, I, it would be two different stories even <laughs> at Tommy John the first three years versus the last three years. Um, but I think as long as you find something you're passionate about that gets you juiced and excited to wake up during the week, and that's really when you know I think you're in the right place. But it may not be forever. You know, I think a lot of people's identity can get tied to their job and their company and their profession. And something I've really tried to, I think, watch closely and get my wife's perspective on is I don't want that. You know, I want my identity to be different. You know, being a great husband, a father, a friend, um, things like that. And if I happen to be an entrepreneur, I do. Um, but I think that's the, that's the tough thing, I think, to always be watchful of when you, you know, you're doing kind of interesting things differently. But yeah, I, I, just to sum it up, Ben, I've been really just really uh, pleased with, I think, all the things and exciting things going on in Sioux Falls and your guys' podcast. You know, as you know, we talked about, I'm a huge podcast fan. Yeah. I probably listen to <clears throat> a variety of different podcasts. There's just so many, there's so much knowledge you can gain today that you can't get through books and the details of the stories and how things are created. And there's so many people willing to share that and spread that word with others so um, I think that's take advantage of podcasts. Yeah. You know, you don't get that on the news. You don't get that through books. You really get the raw stuff that you're, you, it's not just the good things. It's challenging times that you hear about too. And I think that's what has made a lot of companies. Okay, Tom, this is exciting. So we are typically, uh, we like to pride ourselves in breaking news and kind yes, of we do. exciting things. So Paul Tenhaken, he first announced on Mandate, he, would, he was going to run again. We can't we can't necessarily support a specific person because we're a community podcast. Right, right. But right. he did announce it, and they on, our, on the mandate new on, products on his on his on his 
episode as I'm well. I'm not so. running for mayor. I'm not <laughs> running for mayor. Just put it out there. I don't know where this is going. Tom, tell the people that you're running for mayor. You're running against PTH in tell two us, weeks. Oh, man. <laughs> tell us some new, exciting something that nobody's heard yet uh, with Tommy John. Breaking so, news. Yeah, so we do have some exciting news. Thanks for asking. So, you know, we're in a lot of stores, and one of the things that we're, we're, we've been working on the last year and a half is a partnership with a really exciting retailer to create an exclusive line of, of Tommy John and really bring it to the masses to, to allow all people to experience the brand because they've heard of us, they've seen it. Uh, what we hear often is like, well, you just aren't in this, all the stores I shop in. I've been meaning to get it. I just don't want to go online. So um, as of May 12th, we'll be in around 1,500 Target stores across the country with Tommy John, which is really exciting. You know, I grew up going to Target. I'm sure you guys oh, yeah. been to Target. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I would say um, my wife likes Target a lot more than I do. But, uh, you know, what's interesting is a lot of men don't tell their wives, like, oh, my, I was at work today and my underwear rode up my leg and I had to pull it down through the inside of my pocket, but I had to turn the corner because it kind of looked weird. Guys don't talk about their underwear, but women, especially in like an environment like Target, still make up the majority of underwear purchases. So guys just buy the brand that they've been buying or their mom or their grandma still gives them for Christmas or they buy the brand that their wife buys them. So now I think to be in a store like that where we can make men feel more comfortable, uh, <laughs> improve marriages, yep. things like that, uh, would just be really exciting. And I think it just, um, it's a really cool thing for the brand. I think not, not all brands are considered to get into Target and to be with such a great retailer that's doing a lot of innovative things with, I would say, more high-end brands. It's a really exciting opportunity for us just to, you know, get more brand awareness and have more people experience a brand. So super exciting. The team's been working really hard. You know, it's about a, uh, 18 to 20 month plan before concepting and getting product ready and getting a purchase order. And as you guys know, there's a lot of delays with freight and containers with the supply chain issues, gas prices going up. So to get everything made is one thing, fighting COVID in factories to get it shipped on time is another. And then the backup right now, if you look at the ports of LA, the ports of New York, there's a reason why shelves aren't fully stocked because a lot of things are 45 to 90 days later. So it requires another degree of planning. So uh, hopefully all you and your listeners really appreciate the things when you see them in stores because there's a lot of work that goes into these products you consume, whether you eat, wear, shoot, whatever, um, because they take a long time right now because of the supply chain. So um, yeah, there's been a lot of work, but something super exciting, you know, after 14 years to be, to be in Target and, you know, have have a lot of people just get eyeballs and start wearing a product. We're really excited about that. Yeah. Well, we certainly want to encourage mandate audience to wear Tommy John. Uh, I can I can put out a personal testament. I call it my show shirt. Uh, I wear it when I'm dressed like Ryan Kahn's in my monkey suit. Uh, and that because that's when I have the biggest problems with my undershirt. I own a Tommy John undershirt. It it stays underneath my pants, which all other shirts that I've owned. And I'm you know, I'm a, I'm a guy mandate. He's where I'm between like a medium and a large. And so if I get a medium, it's too tall. If it's, if it were a large, it's too bulky. And so the medium for the Tommy John fits me perfect, stays 
tucked, which is what I care about the absolute most. I want to be comfortable. You know me, Ryan. I like talking about a couple things that are uncomfortable every once in a while. Yeah, I know your conversations get uncomfortable, so you got to stay comfortable. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I highly encourage uh, you to jump on uh, Tommy, Tommy John. You can find them online, tommyjohn.com, uh, and that's where you can do it online. But May 12th, mandatees, check out your local Target. Do you know locations? Per se, Tom, uh, can we comfortably say someone can buy yeah, at Target we'll, here in South Dakota? Yeah, we'll, we'll be in Target nationwide. Very good. Okay, so go go to Target, buy it, and uh, if you don't like it, give me a call. We'll give you mandate stickers. If you don't like it, we'll give you mandate stickers. Actually, if you buy Tommy John anything yep, from now until whenever. To the uh, end of May. Yeah, share them. Give them some social media posts and some love. We'll send you mandate stickers just for just for showing love. Show love on your social media. Tag us, and we'll send you some some swag. Perfect, some mandate Perfect. swag. I want a I want a sticker, by the way. I need I need some for my. Coolers. Oh, you may have a sticker, Tom. I'll That's not I'll a problem. Trade, I'll trade some with you. Fair, fair. Perfect, perfect. perfect. All right. Um, that's all the time we have. Uh, I really feel, Tom, that uh, we could probably go for another hour, and I feel like people would, uh, we've got some more things we could talk about, but maybe we'll save it for next time and have you on uh, sometime later in, in the year or next couple years as Tommy John just continues uh, at its rapid pace. Uh, and I truly believe that, uh, look, this is somewhat supporting a, a local company, it's definitely supporting one of our own uh, here in South Dakota. Uh, but above all, uh, what I've learned from our time, Tom, is your attention to detail when it comes to culture. You're all about the people that you work with, that you work for, and, and you're a very customer-centered company. So if you can't support the local company because you think we're, we're New York City here in Tommy John, forget about you jump into this brand because at its head uh, and all that trickles down, uh, that culture trickles down from the top. Go check out Tommy John. It's such a good company and such good product. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. You bet. Thank you. Appreciate you. We'll see you next time on Mandate. Mandate does not exist without your continued support or the fact that you KPP keep pressing play another great episode of the mandate podcast is behind us but here's something you can look forward to check out next week's podcast also like and subscribe if you like this episode please share it with a friend find us on instagram at mandate pod or send us an email mandate.pod at gmail.com who knows we might reference your email or call you out in episode you can find us on patreon at patreon.com backslash mandate pod there's three easy ways to support monthly basis and all of the funds go right back into this podcast kpp keep pressing play see you next time on mandate